0: From the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. Hola, and welcome to La Biblioteca, the podcast series from the Hispanic Division at the Library of Congress. I am Talia Guzman Gonzalez, reference librarian in the Hispanic Reading Room.
1: And I am Catalina Gomez, also a reference librarian in the Hispanic Reading Room. Hola, Talia.
0: Hola, Catalina. I have to say, producing this podcast has been a great learning opportunity in more than one sense. We have learned some technical aspects, but also I have been introduced to some authors that I did not know well, like the Colombian writer Álvaro Mutis, who we are going to be listening to today. Many years ago, I saw a movie based on one of his books, Ilona Vuelve con la Lluvia, But I started reading Mutis for this podcast series, and I am enjoying his work a lot.
1: I have to say, Mutis is one of the most exciting authors for me, not only because I'm Colombian like Mutis, but also because I can relate to many of the themes that he explores in his work, such as the love and nostalgia for the Colombian landscape, and his thirst for adventure and transcendence.
0: Also, his life story is pretty amazing, right? It is.
1: He was born in Colombia in 1923, but he moved to Brussels when he was two. His father was a Colombian diplomat, and he lived there until he was nine. During those years, Mutis traveled frequently to Colombia to visit family. He spent a lot of time in his grandfather's coffee plantation, which actually plays an important role in his work. He was really inspired by these visits to the grandfather's farm. The tropics, the exuberant nature of Colombia is really part of Mutis's poetry and prose. In fact, he many times mentioned that his poetry was born in this place. Also, the sea and his journeys by ship from Europe to Colombia really fascinated the young Mutis.
0: Yes, Colombia and Europe are contrasted in many of his works. Europe was culture and Colombia was the exuberant nature of the Americas that for him meant a return home. Eventually, he had to leave Brussels when his father died abruptly at age 33, and he returned to Colombia, but he had to move to Bogota to attend school. He was a bright man, a voracious reader, but a terrible student. He never finished high school because, as he said, he couldn't waste time studying since there was so much to be read.
1: And eventually, Mutis worked in the most unlikely places for a writer, such as an insurance company, an airline company, and later he worked for for Standard Oil. These jobs gave him the opportunity for him to travel again, not only around Colombia, but also around the world. Didn't he call this
0: period of his life La Gran Vida? He did, because I think for him, travel was just so special and important. But it also had an abrupt ending of sorts. The turning point is 1966, when he had to leave Colombia, because he was accused by his employer of embezzlement, um, a charge for which he spent 16 months in jail in Mexico. Surprisingly, this period was also a very productive one, as we will uh, discuss shortly. Indeed. But before
1: that, while he was in Colombia, he... Mutis got the chance to live the life of, of a bohemian. Um, you know, he had these jobs where you know he was making a, li- a living, but he was really part of the bohemian scene in, in Bogota. He made friends with uh, famous poets, journalists, artists. Some of his friends were the poet León de Greve, uh, also the poet Eduardo Caballero Calderón, and Eduardo Salamera Borda, for example. But it's actually his friendship with Gabriel García Márquez, the Colombian Nobel laureate, whom he met later when he was living in Mexico City, that is one of the most significant moments in Mutis' personal and literary career. There's actually a beautiful text that García Márquez read in celebration of Mutis' 70th birthday, where he says the following, and I will be reading it in Spanish. Basta leer una sola página de cualquiera de ellos para entenderlo todo. La obra completa de Álvaro Mutis, Su vida misma... Son, la de, son las de un vidente que sabe a ciencia cierta, que nunca volveremos a encontrar el paraíso perdido. Es decir, Macrol no es solo él, como con tanta facilidad se dice. Macrol somos todos. Do you want to read the English translation? Of
0: course. To read just one page of his work is enough to understand it all. Álvaro Mutis' Uvr, just as his life, are those of a seer who knows with complete certainty that we will never again find paradise. In other words, Macroll wasn't him, like many would claim. Macroll is all of us. So Macroll
1: is actually uh, the name of one of his characters, which uh, we, we, we will talk about him later.
0: He was an adventurer that appeared in a lot of uh, Mutis's uh, poetry and prose. And today we are going to listen to a recording of him, of Álvaro Mutis, reading one of his poems.
1: Yes, we are, and I had the pleasure of speaking with Professor Charlotte Rogers from the University of Virginia about Mutis and the recording that he did for our Archive of Hispanic Literature on tape on January 27, of 1976. Let's listen. Dr. Rogers received her Ph.D. in Spanish from Yale University, and her book, Jungle Fever, Exploring Madness and Medicine in 20th Century Tropical Narratives, was published by Vanderbilt University Press in 2012. Thank you for being here with us, Charlotte. Thank you, Catalina, it's a pleasure. To begin, uh, what can you tell us about Álvaro Mutis?
2: Well, Álvaro Mutis is a Colombian poet and novelist uh, who died in 2013. Mutis is a very unique writer because he had almost no official schooling. As a matter of fact, he enjoyed playing pool uh, down at the local bar instead of going to school but he also loved reading Charles Dickens, and he's one of the most widely read poets um, in the Spanish language tradition. Mutis also traveled very extensively, so that really comes through in his poetry and in his novels. You're as likely to find him in Colombia as you are in
1: Helsinki. Great, thank you so much. Okay, so what excerpt from his recording that he did for our archive did you choose?
2: Okay, so we're going to listen to one of Mutis's poems called Nocturno, or Nocturne. And in this poem, the poetic voice listens as rain falls on coffee plants in the tropics. Um, and the sound of the rain falling and filling the rivers and running through the forest transports him back to people and times he has known in
1: the past. So let's listen to the clip. Great. Here's the clip.
0: Nocturno, la fiebre atrae el canto de un pájaro andrógino y abre caminos a un placer insaciable que se ramifica y cruza el cuerpo de la tierra, Oh el infructuoso navegar alrededor de las islas donde las mujeres ofrecen al viajero la fresca balanza de sus senos y una extensión de terror en las caderas, la piel pálida y tersa del día, cae como la cáscara de un fruto infame la fiebre atrae el canto de los resumideros donde el agua atropella los desperdicios
1: So can you tell us why did why did you choose this particular poem I chose this particular poem because it is at
2: once tropical And universal. I think everyone has listened to the sound of rain falling and been transported to a different mental state. But here, in particular, the words that Mutis pronounces also sound like rain falling. They have a particular cascading rhythm that is very soothing to the reader. And here it's particularly important to have that recording because if you were just reading the words on the page, you wouldn't necessarily get the rhythm and the rain-like sound of the words themselves.
1: Great, yeah, because that was going to be one of my questions. It's like, what, what, what is the difference between listening to a literary piece or a poem or a piece of prose versus just reading it? And, and um, anything else about that that you would like to comment?
2: Well, I'd like to say that it's particularly important to read poetry out loud. Um, In fact, I even sometimes recommend that people read it out loud, perhaps with a glass of wine, as Alvaro Mutis also recommended. (laughs) And the reason for that is that um, poetry has its own rhythm and it, it is a spoken medium, more so than prose. I do frequently use recordings from the Archive of Hispanic Literature um, in the classroom, principally with poetry, especially by Gabriela Mistral um, or Álvaro Mutis. And the students in general find that the way that the poet reads the poem is very different from the way that they read it as a student. So I think it's an illuminating experience for the student because they hear the pauses, they hear the highs and lows of the poet's own voice.
1: What, what drew you to Alberto Mutis personally?
2: I adore Alvaro Mutis, uh, both for his uh, poetry, but especially for his prose. Um, He has written a series of novels that all feature a melancholy mariner whose name is Macrol El Gaviero, or who they call in English simply Macrol. Um, And this protagonist of his, named Makrol, travels the world and gets into a whole series of misadventures. Um, And I adore that side of Mutis, where he really is a very international writer, um, just as much as he can perfectly distill the sound of rain falling in Colombia.
1: What works from Mutis uh, would you recommend to our readers, um, and, and actually which ones uh, have also been translated trans- translated to English.
2: Yes, the series about Macrole that I just mentioned has been brilliantly translated by Edith Grossman, and the title of the translation is The Adventures and Misadventures of Makrol, um, and I highly recommend that um, as a great place to start with Alvaro Maltiz.
1: Great, thank you so much, Charlotte, for joining us. Thanks. Pleasure to be with
0: you, Catalina. That was great. Macrol el Gaviero is such a great character with probably one of the best names in literature. Macrol el Gaviero.
1: Isn't it a great name? It is. Gaviero has been translated as the lookout, and this was actually the person who would who would work on a ship and his duty was to watch out for potential danger in the horizon. Macroll is without a doubt Mutis' iconic
0: character. It is the character that is present in almost all of his work. As a character, he is a wandering man, always in search of the unknown. And he also crosses genres and is present in both Mutis's poetry and prose. In poetry, you will find Macrol in his poems like Oración de Macrol, included in his complete in his complete works, uh, Suma de Macrol el Gaviero. As for prose, Macrol is the main character of seven novels that have been published together as Empresas y Tribulaciones de Macrol el Gaviero, The Adventures and Misadventures of Macrol.
1: In 2016, just last year, Charlotte Rogers also delivered a talk at the library on the literary legacy of Alvaro Mutis. In her insightful research, she compares the Colombian author with the Spanish author Miguel de Cervantes. Let's listen.
3: Um, Yeah, I think the more important question is really, do they share a literary vision? I argue that yes. Um, And we can see their common aesthetic in two ways. Um, The first one, and they're both, they're related elements. Right. The first one is a very keen perception of the folly of human endeavors. The second is a profound sense of disillusionment, or desengaño, as it's known in Spanish. These contrasting sentiments, a dark humor and an ironic, wistful bitterness are really two sides of the same coin. So that underneath the traveling romps of their protagonists lies a harsh and biting critique of the era in which each author lived and a reflection on the fleeting nature of human existence. Now both of them having suffered so much.
0: This is it for today. Thank you for joining us in La Biblioteca.
1: Thank you for tuning in. To listen to some of the recordings from the Archive of Hispanic Literature on tape, go to www.loc.gov. You can find the project by clicking on our digital collections link on the homepage, and selecting the Audio Recordings Collections category. You can also find it by going to the Library's Hispanic Divisions website, which is www.loc.gov slash rr slash hispanic. Hasta pronto!
0: This has been a presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.